Welcome back to Over Here. My name is Nick Finzer, and today we are chatting with a great guitarist and composer named Rafal Sarnecki. He is from Poland, but has been living in New York for a long while now, and he's got a new album that just came out last week called Climbing Trees, and we wanted to take a little bit of time to chat with him, but him and I, our schedules haven't been able to align just right, and so we did a little bit of a remote interview here, a little bit different for over here, but uh, he provided some really insightful answers, and I can't wait for you to hear them. If you haven't yet checked out his new album, Climbing Trees, you can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, or Amazon, whatever place you like to hear your music, and... Uh, we had a little bit of a back and forth via email, and he sent me some voice memos of uh, the answers to the questions that we wanted to know uh, for today's episode of Over Here. So without further ado, here is Rafal Sarnecki. Hi, my name is Rafał Sarnecki. I'm a guitarist and composer originally from Warsaw, Poland. My new album, Climbing Trees, will be released on July 27th on Outside in Music. At the moment, I'm in Warsaw, Poland. I have a couple of days of rest. I'm at the apartment where I grew up. I just got back from a summer jazz camp in Changchun in China. Uh, it was a really exciting experience. Uh, this is the first summer jazz camp organized by the Chinese government, by the Chinese Jazz Association, actually. And uh, it was a very interesting event from the political standpoint because all the teachers at the summer jazz camp uh, were from Eastern European countries and from China. So it was a part of this collaboration uh, between Chinese government and the European Eastern European governments. And uh, we were staying for two weeks at, uh, at the Jilin University of the Arts. We were treated as kings. And uh, it was uh, pretty amazing how, how much excitement there was also uh, uh, around the, the kids that we were teaching and uh, right after that I'm actually going for another summer jazz camp in uh, Poland it's a summer jazz camp that I've been teaching at for the past seven years so this month is actually a lot of teaching jazz when I get back to the US in August I'm planning another tour in the Midwest uh, like Iowa, Nebraska uh, after that in September I'm planning another tour in Asia playing my music with the local musicians living in China uh, I've been going to China every year for the past um, five years, so it's always always great to 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 be back there. And uh, later, I'm planning some gigs in Europe. And um, next year, I'm thinking about going to South America. So I have a bunch of touring plans at the moment, uh, mostly presenting the music from the from the new album from Climbing Trees. Awesome, man. That's so cool. I'm so glad to hear you're doing so well. Uh, do you want to tell people a little bit about what you're up to in New York City? I'm very lucky to be a part of some great projects in New York. Um, I'm a member of the Lucas Pino's Nonet Nonet. Uh, I've been a member of this group uh, since 2009. Um, I met Lucas at the new school. We used to study together. We had some ensemble classes together and um, since then, Lucas has been a part of my sextet. I've been a part of his nonet, so we've been playing a lot together. Uh, we have a monthly residency at the Smalls Jazz Club, and uh, every time it just blows my mind. I mean, playing with this group is is just unbelievable. The level of musicianship and the energy is is just incredible. 
Uh, besides that, I'm a member of Any Chance Octet. Uh, Any Chance is a singer from Beijing, China. Uh, however, she lives in New York and she has a New York group with some really incredible musicians as well. And I've been arranging for uh, her group for the past two years. So um, this project is really important for me. We just released an album uh, called Secret Treetop. And uh, besides that, I'm also a member of David Bertrand's quartet. Uh, David Bertrand is a great flute player from Trinidad. Uh, we're about to record his second album. His uh, music um, uh, is a mixture of traditional Trinidadian music with 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 modern jazz. And um, yeah, also highly recommend uh, checking out David's music. It's really great. Recently, I also started playing with the Karolina Bemchik Zoria project. Karolina Bemchik is a really great singer and violin player from Poland. Uh, her music is dedicated to the Slavic mythology. Uh, the music uh, incorporates some elements of Polish and Ukrainian traditional music uh, mixed with uh, modern trends on the New York jazz scene. Karolina currently lives lives in New York. Amazing, man. So let's back up just a little bit. And can you tell people a little bit about your background and uh, what brought you to New York from Poland uh, when you did come here several years ago? I came to New York in 2005. Um, before that, I used to study physics at the Warsaw University. However, at some point, I realized that I didn't want to be a, a physicist. I wanted to be a musician, a jazz musician. And uh, I started considering study, studying music at some university. And uh, one day I met a friend uh, who just came back from a sim workshop in New York. And he was telling me about the classes that he had there. Sim is a school for improvisational music led by Ralph Alessi. And uh, he was telling me about how he met with Steve Coleman, Don Byron, Jason Moran, and he had classes with them. He uh, had some private, private lessons with people like that. And I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that uh, such famous musicians are available in New York, that you can talk to them, you can have lessons with them and learn. And uh, I started considering uh, moving to New York to study music. So in 2005, I started uh, uh, studying at the jazz program at the New School. And later on, I uh, went to Queens College, also in New York. And after that, I just decided to stay in New York longer to enjoy the life of the New York jazz musician and uh, just get involved in as many music projects as, as possible and get as much experience as possible. So I'm wondering a little bit about how uh, your success, because I mean, in New York, you're super busy working with all these different people and how that translates to your hometown crowd, to your home people uh, back in Poland. How do people kind of receive you when you go back home as a big New York jazz guitarist? Well, I don't think I'm a Polish jazz star or anything like that, but there is a group of people who are definitely interested in what I'm doing in New York. Uh, there is a group of jazz students or jazz musicians in general who buy my albums, who play my compositions on the concerts. A lot of jazz students uh, play my compositions on their senior recitals. Actually, today I just received a video from another senior recital where 
the singer just did an amazing job singing my composition. And um, so that me f makes me just feel amazing and makes me feel like uh, what I'm doing makes sense and it means something to other people. And uh, um, it's a little strange to me that um, I don't really play that much in Poland. I play much more in Asia or South America uh, and United States, obviously. So I feel like I should maybe take care more about uh, my popular popularity in Poland. I wish I could play even bigger festivals or anything like that. But obviously that requires time. So I I hope I can I can play more in Poland next year. Such an amazing composer and arranger. I'm wondering what has kind of led you down the path that you've gotten down in terms of being a composer and arranger. Is there any unique compositional influences or is there anything you studied that you could say uh, has influenced you a lot or is something that other people could check out uh, in order to kind of develop a unique compositional lens like you have? I am definitely interested in composition in general. I listen to a lot of classical music and I'm trying to analyze everything that I hear and I'm, I'm trying to understand every single note in the piece that I'm analyzing and uh, I'm not a big fan of composition modern jazz music honestly uh, I feel like the composers who wrote jazz standards many years ago uh, they were classically trained and they had a huge knowledge about composition uh, these days we have incredible improvisers who happen to compose on the side and sometimes it's great but uh, a lot of the modern jazz compositions um, just sounds kind of the same to me. There are many compositional patterns that people use and these patterns maybe worked well for uh, like bebop style jazz but in the context of modern harmony or modern music they don't really work that well. Uh, when I compose personally I just uh, try to be surprising. I try to uh, use as many colors as possible just um, so that the listener can enjoy the music that I'm writing and uh, not be bored uh, because things that seem exciting to us uh, when we write eventually once we put them on a the record they usually sound less exciting uh, so I always try to um, exaggerate some ideas when I feel like something uh, sounds interesting then I think like well what can I do to make it sound even more interesting so that once I put it on the album it still sounds interesting. So tell us a little bit about putting your compositional, compositional process into work here uh, with Climbing Trees with this new album. It's been four years since I recorded the previous album Cat's Dream and the compositions featured on Climbing Trees are the pieces that I wrote in the past for four years. Uh, however, these pieces went through a lot of changes. I remember one time Lucas Pino mentioned to me that uh, when I bring a new composition, it's like the beginning of a journey. And uh, every rehearsal, the composition actually looks a little different based on the experience of performing it. Um, but eventually, by the time we started rehearsing the music for the recording, I had the final versions already um, in the form that they're on the album. And 
honestly, the recording session and the rehearsals were really, really smooth. It's pretty incredible that considering how hard the music is, everything was just super easy. And people noticed that our recording engineer, Michael Perez, mentioned to me, like, wow, it's amazing how chill you were as a band leader and how easy everything went. He, they, they were telling me, like, we see horror stories in the studio all the time. And your recording session was very special. And I was happy to hear that because obviously that's what I was going for. And um, and yes, I'm, uh, I was a little worried just because some instrumental parts were really challenging. But uh, we made it happen. And um, yeah, hopefully people will enjoy it. So something that I'm always interested in is how people put their bands together, how the personalities of the musicians adds up to a collective whole that is something unique and interesting. Could you tell us a little bit about how you put the band together, who's in the band, and how they come together to create an ensemble that you really enjoy? Um, well, I have some amazing musicians in my group. Um, Lucas Pino, tenor saxophone and bass clarinet, Bogna Kaczynska, uh, voice, uh, Glenn Zaleski on piano, Rick Rosado on bass, and Connie Stranahan on drums. And a lot of music on the album was written especially for, to feature their uh, unique technical abilities. Um, I remember one time I was playing with uh, Lucas Pino's Nonette at Smalls, and my friend, saxophone player, came out. And uh, he was, he, that was the first time he heard Lucas live, and he said, like, wow. There is definitely some stuff that Lucas does that I've never heard anyone on earth play before. Um, some things that only he can do. So I was like, wow, if that's true, that it's my responsibility, responsibility as a composer to feature that. So I, uh, I, I decided that I have to listen to Lucas carefully and see what are the things that are so unique about him and uh, try to feature that in my compositions. Obviously, I'm not a saxophone player, so sometimes I might write things that are just too crazy, but I feel like it's worth trying sometimes um, because um, we have time to rehearse. We, I, can, I have time to remove some parts that just don't make any sense. Eventually, leave the things that are really featuring the, the abilities of the great musicians that I have. The same, for example, with Bogna Kicinska. Uh, she specializes in singing some incredibly hard uh, melodies and uh, I feel very happy to, to write arrangements that feature that. So tell us a little bit about the story behind the album, Climbing Trees. It's a cool title. As a little kid, I used to play with my cousins and my cousins uh, used to climb trees. And I also wanted to climb the trees, however, I was really scared of that. And uh, I uh, remember the satisfaction that I got from fighting that fear when I could climb to the next branch and see the world from there. That was a really beautiful feeling. And that reminds me of many situations in adult life, um, fighting many fears that I have to fight every day, uh, the fears of confrontations, uh, but also the the fears of playing live, the fears of stage fright, and also many other situations. Uh, so to me, climbing trees is a symbol of fighting your fears and uh, getting the satisfaction from there, becoming a better person 
through doing things that you're scared of. Yeah, man. Uh, I think we could all learn a little something from trying to do the things that we're all scared of. I know that for me, you know, it's totally rewarding to finally address those things that are kind of staring us down and making us scared and then kind of conquering those. So what are some of the things on this record, this album, uh, Climbing Trees, that you're super proud of, some highlights that you might want to share with people? My favorite song on the album is Disappointing Fresh Peach. And this is probably the weirdest song I've ever written. And uh, the song is based on a guitar ostinato that stays almost the same throughout the whole piece. And uh, on top of that, uh, ostinato, there is a series of melodic lines uh, based on uh, a scale motion, downward scale motion. And uh, they're played by bass clarinet and bass. And those melodies go through all 12 keys in a way that they start in the same key as the ostinato, then gradually they go th into more distant keys, and then by the end they come back to the original key of the ostinato. And uh, most people think I'm crazy that uh, this song is just too weird, but uh, there is something um, really interesting to me in that concept, and I feel like I'm expressing myself and my, my personality with that song, even though it's not really a radio hit. So what are some things that you've learned from putting the album together? It's not your first record, so I know you have plenty of experience putting albums together. Uh, so what are some things, some things that happened during this process that you might be able to share with our audience, who tends to be a lot of musicians, uh, when they're putting together their records, because everybody's doing that all the time. One interesting thing that I learned uh, from recording and releasing this album is that the arrangements that include many uh, different layers of melodies, textures, or chords tend to sound better recorded than live, actually. Like if you have, for example, five different layers of of some kind of ostinados, melodies, textures, uh, live, it sounds a little bit too complicated, especially if the mix is not perfect. It can sound out of balance and sound strange. On recording, when you can mix them, things that uh, might seem crazy actually sound very transparent and clear. So there's a bunch of moments on the album that I was like, wow, I can't believe this actually worked. Like the last song, Homo Sapiens, or that song, Disappointing Fresh Peach, or Chungguo. And uh, I'm really happy about how those pieces came out. Man, that's super interesting. Uh, I think that I've experienced the same thing as a composer, as a band leader. Uh, it's really interesting to think about how a recorded music can translate into live or live into recording. And yeah, that's really interesting. You're talking about the layers. And I wonder how, you know, we can actually solve that problem into the future. Uh, but for a lot of musicians, for a lot of people listening to this podcast, uh, you know, they're young musicians, they're aspiring musicians, uh, they're family or friends of musicians. And so I'm wondering if you have any bits of advice for anyone that's thinking about making a record and, you know, coming to New York, anything of that nature, anything you might be able to offer based on your life experience that they could benefit from. It might sound very obvious, but when I, one advice that I wanted to give is just to be honest with yourself. Uh, be honest about what you like, just because everyone 
uh, likes this new trend that is popular doesn't mean that you have to like it. Just because everyone likes to play this way doesn't mean you also have to learn to play this way. Uh, because if you're not honest with yourself, eventually it will come back to you and will make your life harder. Um, be aware of what your strengths are and try to promote those, try to become extremely good at those things so that other people can appreciate it and, and invite you to their projects to do this thing. I think that would be my advice. Wow, that's some amazing advice from Rafal. That was amazing. Uh, answers some very simple questions. Rafal's a very thoughtful guy, and I'm so glad that he was able to uh, offer some advice. Shares a little bit about his album, Climbing Trees, that is out now. It was released last week on July 27th, and uh, here to share with you now. So if you want to stream it on Apple Music, stream it on Spotify. It is available for you guys anywhere you like to listen to music. And... If I can reiterate anything that Rafal said, it is to be honest and truthful to yourself and your musical personality. Just because whatever is popular does not mean that you should be doing that. Uh, that's something that I wrestle with as well. And I wish that uh, someone had told me much earlier than when I realized kind of what was happening within the industry, what was happening within the scene, that you have to be honest to yourself and kind of follow your inner muse and kind of make sure that you're attending to that and uh, making the music that matters to you, making the music that you believe in. So thanks for being here on Outside in Music's Over Here. My name is Nick Finzer. We have produced more content in 2018 and 2017 than we ever have in the past. And for that, I just want to give you guys a heads up. We're going to take a little bit of a break in August of 2018 to regroup and get things all set for September and beyond. There's a lot of exciting things coming up, and I don't want uh, you to miss any of it, so make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. You like Outside of Music on Facebook, and you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts to uh, over here, and also all the other great podcasts that are here on our podcast network. Uh, lots of things coming up. Please excuse the next few weeks. We're going to take a little bit of a break. Like I said, but we'll be back at you with a lot more stuff starting in September. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys real soon.